I love this podcast episode because Randy Kadish had to develop some unusual ways to work on his game off the court due to his injuries. And he's got some really great tips and ideas. So let's get to the intro to hear more from Randy. Welcome to the Pickleball Fire podcast, where it's all about pickleball. Today, I'd like to welcome to the Pickleball Fire podcast, Randy Kadish. How are you doing today, Randy? I'm doing great. We have great weather in Missoula, so it was great playing pickleball today. I'm jealous because we've got the tropical storm coming through Connecticut here and it's still raining today. But anyways, onward, I wanted to have you on the podcast because you've written a number of articles for the Pickleball Fire magazine, and they've just been so interesting And so I thought it would be great to have you on the podcast. But before we get started with, you know, kind of going down that path, tell me a little bit about how you first heard about pickleball and how long ago that was. Well, actually, when I moved to Missoula, I was having dinner with a group of people. And this woman told me about this game called pickleball. And she briefly described it. That was about five years ago. And I thought, wow, what a strange game. And I didn't think anything of it. But then I was looking through the brochure. We have an adult education center, and they had the course Introduction to Pickleball in the winter. So I figured I'd like to get some exercise. So I took the first course, and then I took the second course. And that's really how I started my journey playing in. And I'm just so grateful that I found this sport. Yes, I I definitely know the feeling, and I I feel the same way. So I know in talking a little bit and kind of emailing back and forth, you've kind of been dealing with some injuries and, you know, I think you found some really great ways to be able to still work on the game, even though while you're out. So tell me a little bit about, you know, your injury, how long you've been out and, and kind of what you're do what you can actually do with pickleball right now. Okay. Well, I've been dealing with two injuries for the last three years. I have an artificial hip. And I've been getting a lot of hip pain, and it limits the time I could spend on the courts. And when the pain gets really bad, I have to take time off. Like today was the first day I played in about 11 days. And also more recently, I was dealing with a uh, tennis elbow. So I had to take three, four months off. And it's very frustrating because I feel like I can't get to the level I would like to be at. So what I did is I kind of started all these practice things that I can do when injured, and I think one of the things I really um, like to do, well, there's a lot of things, but I always, I watch a lot of instructional videos. I read as much as I can, and I listen to podcasts. And I also take a lot of notes. I have two notebooks of notes. And I also have, uh, I put together a crib sheet of different techniques and strategies, and I'm constantly going over that. And then based on my injuries, I have... I could do a lot of exercise. Like when the hip was bothering me, I really couldn't make that stop, that sudden stop. But I found out that I could hit balls. So, you know, one of the things I did, and I would, you know, I bought two pieces of plywood. This is going to sound strange at Home Depot. And I actually set up a pickleball practice thing in my in my condo. And I have three different kinds of balls. I have a foam ball with letters on it. So, for example, I'll hit those balls and try to read the letters for my eyes. 
And then I'll do a lot of other drills from, you know, Jordan Brionis and has a video of great pickleball drills. So I'll constantly do, you know, a, a lot of wall drills that really don't, you know, bother my hip or my tennis elbow. And, you know, I also find that watching games I find very helpful. When I can go down to the park, I'll watch games and I'll say to myself, well, what would I have done in that situation? And I try to visualize those things. And, you know, I don't know, did you see that 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 series, The Queen's Gambit, on Netflix? Everybody watched that about the chess player? Absolutely. I love that series. Well, I remember the scene she was laying in bed and visualizing the moving of the pieces on the wall. Well, I'll actually do the same thing. You know, I'll lay down and I'll think about if balls were hit this way, I'll try to visualize what I'll do in return so I can implant that into my uh, subconscious, so to speak. I also, especially more recently, you know, I'm a skeet shooter and so much of skeet shooting is visual, but I've learned in studying that that so many sports are visual, including pickleball, because we have to track a ball that's sometimes coming to us 40 miles an hour from 14 feet away. So I'm doing like I heard your podcast with Joe Fresca. I think that's how you pronounce his name. So I'm doing a lot of near far exercises. I bought a Brock string. And I'm doing a lot of exercises with the Brock string to track balls that are coming at me. And I also do a lot of, I, I have a ball with letters on it, a pickleball, and I swing it back and forth. And I really try to track the numbers because I know when I'm playing well, I'm tracking the ball well. My eyes are relaxed and I can track the ball. When I'm struggling, I'm not tracking the ball well. And I really think so much of pickleball is definitely visual. So I'm always working on that. I have, I can keep going on. I have a, a very dense foam ball. And what I did was I cut pieces, slices off of it. So when I hit it against the plywood in my house, it acts as a reaction ball. So I never know exactly which way the ball is going to come off. I also use, uh, I bought a Topspin Pro, which they use in tennis but I find it very helpful in pickleball for the eye-hand coordination. And about a couple of months ago, I bought a, one of those slam masters. And personally, I find it very helpful. I can volley to myself in the house. I pull the string in or outdoors. I could hit off a bounce and I can practice my um, backswing. You know, with the tennis elbow, I couldn't hit the my uh, backhands, but I was able to hit my forehands. And I think that really, really helped me. And of course, sometimes, you know, this is strange, Lynn. I was at the park and they put up these a wall on the tennis court so we could practice. And when I could not hit a backhand because of my tennis elbow, I found that I was able to simulate that mechanics by throwing a ball against the wall. Now, why that did not hurt, I don't know. So I, I began doing that. And I also, I practiced my drop shot sometimes by, you know, throwing a ball underhand and trying to hit it at a certain target and, you know, constantly working on my mechanics because all these things tend not to hurt my hip. And a lot of these exercises that I do, I think even if I wasn't injured, I would still be doing them. So that's kind of a brief rundown of, of things I do. I'm sure... There are so many drills we can do. And I also have to add that I also 
do a lot of juggling. Not a lot, but I do some juggling for eye-hand coordination. So, you know, but I guess it's endless on the kinds of drills we can have when we're injured. We don't have to just give up. You know, there are still things we can do as long as we don't aggravate the injury. And so that's what I try to do. It helps me feel better about my game and it helps me feel better about myself because I feel like at least I'm moving forward. I'm trying to get better. And, you know, when I go back on the court today, for example, for the first time, yeah, my reactions was I wasn't tracking the ball well, but I know that's because I haven't been playing. So I learned to forgive myself that, you know, there is no substitute for playing, but there's still a lot I can do if I can't play. So, you know, I hope maybe people could find that somewhat helpful. Absolutely. And, you know, I love the list and all the things you do. And if you think about it, too, you know, so many things that you mentioned, you know, when I was not playing pickleball at all during COVID-19 and it's you know, here in the winter in Connecticut and I was stuck indoors I really didn't do much of anything, but now I've got, you know, a list of probably at least 10 things that you mentioned. And, you know, one of the things I wanted to point out is that you actually, you went through a long list, but a couple of things I want to point out is the top spin pro. That was something that I was looking at just the other day on the internet, because coming from a racquetball background, I'm very comfortable hitting slice and keeping the ball low but I want to get more of that top spin into the game. And unless I severely change my grip, like you might in tennis, I'm not able to do that. And in pickleball's too really too fast to change your grip much. Right. So tell me a little bit more about the top spin pro. Well, you know, it, you definitely can't use it uh, for your slice shot. It's typically for top spin. And, you know, I was reluctant to buy it because it's a tennis thing. And I called them up to, they said, well, we're going to make one for pickleball, but they haven't did it. So anyway, I ended up buying it and they have videos. I watched their drills. It's relatively simple. I did a few things differently. I took the top off because I felt that was more realistic. And then I found out this tennis pro also recommends doing that. But I also wrote letters on the ball. So every time I hit the ball, I want to see what le- I try to hit a letter for my eye-hand coordination. Now, in all honesty, I the top spin I'm trying to do is different than what the pros are doing, you know, when they come up under the ball and put a lot of slice on it. I'm trying to do something a little different. I don't feel I'm, I'm, that, I'm good enough to do that. My eye-hand coordination is not as good as Ben Johns or Lucy Kovalova. What I'm trying to do with my top spin pro I'm just going to back up a little bit. When I had the tennis elbow, I didn't want to sit home. So what I did was I bought a, I went down to these racket courts and I began practicing squash lefty. And what I then I began to study squash. And one of the things I learned from watching these videos was how they generate power. And the way they generate power is by rotating the forearm one way, I think it's called pronation, and the other way, I think it's called supination. I feel I don't know how to pronounce it. So that's how I'm trying to generate power. And that's what I use the top spin uh, pro for. I try to generate power by doing it that way. And, you know, I also can do my backhand now, and I practice switching hands. I do a lot of my forehand. and 
you know, I, I just feel it's a good way to get some eye-hand coordination in. I'm working on my mechanics. So I think you can, you know, I think with Top Spins Pro, you can use it differently. You know, if you want to really hit that top spin on your dinks, which I really haven't gotten to yet. I feel like I'm struggling with my dinking. But I think down the road, I'll probably do that more. So, but I, I you know, I, I, I recommend it. I think it's a great tool as long as you use it. But I also think with the Top Spin Pro and the Slam Master, as helpful as they are, they're limited. So you're not going to get everything you want out of them, but you're going to get a lot out of it. So I would recommend trying it and, you know, watching some of the videos there. You get some good exercise in your house. Now, one other thing that you mentioned, and I may have heard this wrong. Did you say something about a Brock string? Brock string is a very common visual. It's a string with little beads on it. And you could get a magnet and you put it against your, let's say, your refrigerator. And it's it's very common. I had heard about it, but I forgot about it. And then even when I wrote my last article, I'm sorry that I didn't include it. But what it does is you hold it next to your nose. And there are many videos about this on YouTube. So you can see how it's done. And Brock strings are very inexpensive, 8 or $9. And what you're doing is you're really training your eyes to go from far to near, far to near. It's a different variation of Joe Fresca's, of his near to far exercises. He's using letters and you're reading a far letter, a near letter. Here, you're going from the far bead and you're coming to the near bead. And as you do that, when you get to the near bead, the string, even though it's one string, kind of splits into a crisscross. And then when you get to the far thing, the far bead, the string behind that one, Chris Kreutz, because I think a lot of pickleball, like a lot of sports, you really have to hit the ball that's from f- coming from far to near. And, you know, it's like hitting a baseball. I, I find that very hard to do. So that's why I'm really working with this Brock spring. I do it every morning, to, you know, to improve my uh, my movement, you know, from near to far and back and forth. And I also find the Joe Fresca, you could download his uh, – you know, the, the letter things that he uses, those sheets, I find that very, very helpful. But I would definitely go on YouTube, everybody, and look look at the Brock Spring videos, and it's very inexpensive. And you know, I think it's very helpful. Well, cool. That's all great advice. And, you know, I think out of all the things that you mentioned, probably the only one that I think I do, and it's actually, I don't do it on the side, I do it on the court, is you know, looking, really looking at the ball in the court. And in fact, I, when I'm, when I, if I'm able to read the logo of the manufacturer of the ball, when I'm playing, then I can pretty much tell you I'm playing really well that day. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. That's so true. And, you know, I'm finding right now what I'm struggling with is I'm really trying to read my opponent and then so I'm using that soft focus, that wide focus. And then once they hit the ball, I'm trying to narrow my focus and track the ball. And I'm having a little, it's, it's, it's not as easy as it looks. So that's one of the things I'm really working on my game. Because if I could read the paddle position, I think it was Michelle Esquivel who talked about that, said if someone is slamming the ball from low to high, there's a good chance it's going to go out. Well, just from the body language of our opponents, we can get an idea of where they're going. Because one of the things I love about pickleball, and I didn't quite understand this in the beginning, is that pickleball, in large part, is a game of anticipation. Everything happens so fast 
sometimes just being able to track the ball is kind of not enough. We have to kind of take a guess and hopefully we'll be right. So that's why I'm really trying to go from reading my opponent to tracking the ball. And it's something that I, I still need a lot of work on, but I'm going to continue doing it. And I think that will really improve my One of the other things that you've written about that I think is really important for the game of pickleball too is actually doing performance journaling. So tell me a little bit about, you know, how you started doing that, why you started doing that, how it helps your game, how it can help other people's games. Okay. Well, you know, I don't, recovery journals, performance journals, you know, I, I guess there's no one way of doing it. I know that Serena Williams and most of the top athletes keep performance journals. I know that a lot of people in various recoveries keep recovery journals. So when I was shooting skeet, everybody recommended this book with winning in mind by Lanny Basham, who won a gold medal in shooting. And his book doesn't have one technique about shooting a rifle. It's all about building the self-image. And he talks about keeping a performance journal in part to do that. So I use a performance journal for two basic things. I really want to build up my self-image. And when I get down and when I get depressed for not playing well, I don't want to fall into that cycle of self-blame. And that's been so easy to do when you come back from an injury and your game has fallen down. I would come home and I'd really be depressed. And then I'd have to write, and then I would write in the journal telling myself, feel good about myself, always trying to feel good. I always try to put things in positive lights. One of the things I believe, like I said, pickleball is such a fast game. We don't have time to think. I think our conscious mind, I know this mosquito could can think of one thing at a time, and that should be tracking the ball. So how do we make decisions? I think it's our unconscious minds that is capable of making decisions in a split second. And one of the things I do in my performance journal, I write down a lot of strategies, a lot of techniques, because I think by writing them down, it imprints it more to my self-conscious, to my unconscious, I meant. And that way, when I'm playing, I could call it up without even thinking about it. So I'm constantly downloading techniques and strategies because after reading Harry Carpenter's book, I really try to play in the now, which I think is what Federer and Djokovic do. I also use the journal to set goals. So it gives me a purpose for being out there. And if I don't meet my goals, I really try not to beat myself up over it. You know, I, I'll tell myself where I'm at. And I have a section that I've used. I call it guidepost for improvement. If there's something I'm not doing well, in my mind, I don't want to think of it as an error or a shortcoming. I want to think of it as a guidepost for improvement. So I'll write down things that I have to improve on. Like, for example, just today, when I came back playing for the first time in 12 days, I my some of my guideposts today were aim my returns to a smaller target, turn my hips when I'm returning with my left hand, because I try to play with two hands. And when my opponents are driving balls from the transition zone from low to high, get out of the way because those balls are going to be out. So those are the things that I really want to, you know, work on. And, you know, again, it's always though, 
forgiving myself. Now, there's a lot of dispute that in Skeet, if we have a bad day, we shouldn't talk about it. That's the going rule of thumb. But I don't know, you know, I follow golf and many, many years ago when Rory McIlroy was coming up, he had a big, big lead, I think, in the Masters. And on the final day, he shot an 81. And everybody was wondering, what's this going to do to this young guy? Is this going to kill his career? And what happened is he bounced back at the U.S. Open and won, and won the U.S. Open. And I was always amazed at how he did that so quickly. How did he recover? Because a lot of players never recover. And then I found out later on, one of the things he did, he would always talk about it. Now, a lot of skeet shooters will tell you, don't talk about your misses. Personally, I don't agree with that because I think it, our disappointment gets repressed. And in my case, and this is just very subjective, I want to talk about my disappointments. I want to talk about my failures. I don't want to be ashamed about them. And I think it makes it easier for me to deal with. So I'll, I'll write that in my performance journal, not to blame myself, but really to forgive myself. And for me, it's a lot of it is just building up that self-image. You know, in my life, we all have personal journeys. I'm 69 years old. And, you know, I was was telling you before, my father wanted me to be a great football player when I was a kid. And I was very small. And that never happened. And I always blame myself for that. And I think for many years, I carried that negative self-image in me. And it was only many years later when I began to read like Maxwell Maltz, psycho where he talks about the importance of self-image. And, and that's why I, I, I really need that journal, just to build up that self-image. Even if I have a terrible day, I want to build up my self-image. And I'm 69 years old. I came to Pickleball three, four years ago, no tennis background. I have to learn to accept I'm never going to be a great pickleball player. I'm never going to get on the court with Ben Johns or Lucy, but it's okay. I'm still okay. You know, I'm out here, I'm having fun and I'm trying and I have to feel good about myself no no matter where my game is. (laughs) So, you know, so, but anybody, you know, people can keep their own journals. I don't think there's any one way of doing it. And as people start keeping journals, they're going to find out what works for them in the journal. And, I think, well, I don't want to speak for them, but I i mean, this journal has become such an important part of me, a part of my life. I just look at it and I feel so good about it. You know, I'm so proud of it. Uh, you know, I just am. And I don't know what more to say about it. Hope it doesn't sound too corny. <laughs> Not at all. It's a great training aid. And it's definitely something that, you know, I could see just about anybody doing, whether you're a high level player or you know, somebody who's playing recreationally. And, you know, I have to say, I, I, I love your philosophy. And I hope that the reason that we're all playing pickleball is because it's something fun and we enjoy it. And, you know, especially as recreational players, we're not making a living. You know, we just need to go out there, get some exercise, enjoy ourselves and be happy for the opportunity to play the sport. Absolutely. Absolutely. While we're on the planet, absolutely. We are so blessed to have this sport. We really are. (laughs) Well, all right, Randy, I really appreciate you coming on the Pickleball Fire podcast. I really appreciate your articles that you've written for the Pickleball Fire magazine. I think you've just got a a lot to say both on the podcast and as you write. So again, I really appreciate what you've done. 
Well, thank you for having me. It's really been great. And I really appreciate your podcast. I learned so much from them. So keep them coming. (laughs) Will do. Thank you for listening to the Pickleball Fire podcast. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to give it a five-star review on Apple iTunes.